When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Is it for charity at all? Uh, not that I know of. It's just somebody decided it would be fun. Mackey and Judd. It's like a clown car, but much smellier. On 1500 ESPN. We're going to make our official Turkey of the Year predictions at the end of the show. So about 50 minutes from now, maybe 45 minutes from now, depending on uh, how the hour shakes out here. So as we wait on a scoop session from Doogie here and then Mike Golick Jr., the Twins announced some roster moves a couple days ago that I think most people probably either ignored, didn't see. You and I both got the email. And my first reaction was, oh, they put some guys on their 40-man roster. Okay. Uh-huh. They put Steven Gonsalves, uh, that uh, Littell, and then some other dude. Uh, I can't remember who. Mm-hmm. Lewis Thorpe was the other guy. Okay. Like, oh, okay, whatever. That's... Uh, they put they you got to put guys in your forty man roster protect from the uh, from the rule five draft, but then as I looked a little deeper, there was a guy eligible for the forty man roster that they left off of it, thus unprotected and available for any team to take in the rule five draft if they want, and that was 2013 fourth overall pick. Yep, Cole Stewart. And that's not like to say that the new front office, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, made a huge mistake. Oh, my God, they forgot to put Cole Stewart on the 40-man roster. He's been atrocious for the most part in the minor leagues, considering his status as one of the top high school pitchers in the country four years ago. And they have deemed him at age 21 or 22 unrosterable and and open to another team poaching him now they'd have to put him on their 25 man the whole season mm-hmm. which doesn't seem likely based on how bad he was but it's an indictment uh, nonetheless yeah. yes definitely. his strikeouts are down he walked like five batters per nine innings and we had this conversation several months ago to me it's even more of an indication and an indictment on the Terry Ryan regime and you got to hope that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine can fix this going forward but the pitching problem in this organization is a development problem The last 10 years, it's not that they can't identify talent. It's not that they can't go into a draft and say, let's pick up uh, a two-time All-American and two-time Big Ten Pitcher of the Year, Alex Wimmers, and and put him in our system. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been, from a drafting standpoint, the identification of talent. They can do that. In fact, you and I could sit here and just go through like Baseball America reports and probably do a fairly good job of picking out talented pitchers and position players from college and high school, right? Right. But the development of those guys, once they get into the pipeline, has been a huge problem. I mean, they have in the past 10 years, they've drafted so many big-time resume guys, college, high school, in the first and second round pitchers. Uh, They drafted in, uh, this is about six years ago, a guy who was named to five different All-American squads in college, 
a two-time first-team All-Conference USA selection, the Conference USA Pitcher of the Year, one of the best college pitchers in the country, and he didn't sniff the big leagues. He's out of baseball. Mm-hmm. That's Shooter Hunt. I could name a million of these examples. Uh, so when well, yeah, when Cole Stewart couldn't find pitching, basically, yeah, but when but they couldn't develop pitching when Cole Stewart is off your 40-man roster when eligible and open for any team to take him. Yep. Four years after being drafted as the top high school pitcher basically in the country, or one of the top three or four, that's a huge development problem. It's not that he's lacking talent. Well, so I thought that was interesting. What I find intriguing is this. We are going to see, and this could either this could either make you as a Twins fan very happy or drive you absolutely crazy. We are about to see, uh, for the first time, uh, a, a cohesive winter of moves where you're going to say, you're going to realize exactly how far behind the times the Twins were. You're going to realize, um, the Star Tribune had, had a story on Tuesday about the fact that the Twins now are actually, how their, their, their approach, what it's going to be, how they're not closing the door on pursuing players, how they're going to do things, and all of it makes perfect sense. And a lot of teams do it, and it's all the stuff that we going in into previous winters assumed the Twins won't do this, and for the most part, they did not. And so what's going to be really interesting about this is it's going to be the first time where the Twins feel, and this has nothing to do necessarily with financial capabilities, it's going to be the first time the Twins operate and you say, one, it makes sense, and two, a lot of teams do that. You think about how long that we took it for granted that the Twins wouldn't do certain things because they just didn't. And and at one time, that was the Metrodome, small market, Twins way. But by now, it had become maddening, but we accepted it. And that is all changing up. Yeah. That is all going to change. Yep. So you got to hope that, you know, the, the, the development pipeline can just produce and can hone some of these talented guys, whether it's a 10th round pick or a hidden gem like the Corey Kluber trade when he was in Double A for the Padres, I want to say, and bounced mm-hmm. around a couple organizations, or whether you can just take your first and second round talents that you drafted and make sure that they at least pitch for you in the major leagues, at least be an eighth inning guy in the major leagues. <laughs> Do something for God's in the big sake. Leagues, so, yes. uh, so this is our Turkey of the Year preview show. <laughs> The second annual on Mackie and Judd. Uh, in just under 12 hours, Patrick Royce's Turkey of the Year column will be unveiled on StarTribune.com. And we had a conversation with him an hour ago in which he told us, with Mark Coyle and P.J. Fleck waving the red flag and taunting the bull, mm-hmm. there have been emergency conference calls. I want to bring you to the Turkey of the Year analytics desk once again here, Judd Zolgad. I have, and we've already gone over a couple of these guys, the five biggest snubs in recent Turkey of the Year history. Okay. Okay. The five biggest snubs in recent Turkey of the Year history. Right. We'll start with the two that we've already named. Number one, Glenn Taylor, mm-hmm. who's never won the award as an individual. Now, 25 years of Timberwolves basketball won it in 2014, but Glenn Taylor, as a pretty terrible NBA owner, has never, never won it. the Turkey of the Year award. David Kahn, mm-hmm. one of the biggest snubs in the history of the award. Here's three guys we haven't mentioned a lot on the show. Snubs. Richard Patino. Now, he's got things going in the right direction, but when when Pat was all over him for the first three years of his tenure, and then he pays it off with a two-win conference performance, yep. basically hand-delivering a Turkey of the Year resume, yep. and Pat turned it down. And he did that because at the time, if if he had picked it, 
we all we all would have said, of course. You see, Too obvious. I think we've gone. I honestly think since 2014, we've now gone to the. He is not going to pick who you expect. The sort of old grumpy man phase. If that's what you expect, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So I would I would argue that if Patino had come along in the early 2000s or the 90s, he wins it easily that year. Because if you go through this list, there are obvious choices. But we're in the phase now where you're not going to get that. So Patino. So I think he would say. I could have picked them, but I didn't want to, as opposed to I missed. Uh, and then two other snubs in recent Turkey of the Year award history, both in purple. How about Blair Walsh and or Gary Anderson? Two huge, colossal playoff losing missed field goals. Mm-hmm. Or Adrian Peterson as a snub? Adrian Peterson's an interesting snub, yeah. That could have been a good one. Child I like, abuse. I, I like that one. Yeah, I really like that one as well as I almost think Pat, when it comes to Blair Walsh, he would have gone towards the first graders that wrote the letters and invited him to the school. (laughs) They should have been the turkeys of the year for not being harder on Blair. Oh, that would have been amazing. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of punk little six-year-olds. Stop. Stop enabling missed <laughs> field goals. Do your job. What was the name of the teacher that made those poor brats write that? <laughs> She's going to win it. Uh, some more uh, Turkey of the Year analytics for you, gentlemen. So, Pat, we mentioned this off the top of the show, but Pat loves to ding people in power. By my math, in the local era of Turkey of the Year, so the 34-year local era since uh, the early 1980s, of Turkey of the Year Award winners are people in power. So local front office executives, owners, athletic directors, et cetera, Mm -hmm. 13 of them, and 10 different coaches have won the award. So he loves to to poke the people, the C-level suite people, the people in suits who are overseeing things. Afflict the comfortable, comfort the afflicted. That's it. That that is the, the motto. that is the entire premise of this award, which started in '78. Yep. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, and he has afflicted a lot of comfortable people with this one. It's true. The Mason story is great, though. That Dick Ames took a live turkey and tied it up to to Mason's porch. That is, yeah, I didn't know that notch. story before. That is that's absolutely, brilliant. That's pretty good absolutely presentation top right there. Notch. That Glenn Mason walks out and there's a live turkey <laughs> tied to his porch. Uh, if Doogie's around at 12:30. If he can keep it quick, because we got to get to our final segment of of the hour, Turkey of the Year predictions, and keeping it quick is not one of Doogie's strengths there. So <laughs> I might just want to revisit in college. Week. But how about that? Um, but up, um, well, we'll see. If he wants to give us like five minutes of scoops, we can we can do that. But Mike Ola Jr. to talk some football when we come back. It's the Turkey of the Year preview show on Mackie and Judd. Fifteen hundred ESPN presents Turkey Talks, a bunch of super duper stories leading up. To the big column, here's a guy who sounds a little like Patrick Royce. Royce here. You know, most people think this deal that I got going on started in 78. (laughs) It actually started in the 50s. So I'm a bored 10-year-old in Fulda. I mean, what do you do in Fulda? So I began in my bedroom to privately dole out the prestigious Turkey of the Year Award. The first victor... None other than our guy, Murray Warmath. Three and six in his second season. This was golden gopher football in an era where it was golden, not horse bleep like it's become today. Eighth place in the Big Ten. 
That's the year that I privately began doling out this sucker. And I'm gonna tell you right now, the guy he barely edged was none other than Sid Hartman, who couldn't get us a pro team to save our lives. That's the honest to God truth about the turkey of the year. Congratulations, Murray Warmath. Okay. You gotta be in the know to know, you know? You gotta be in the know to know, you know? That's why you're listening to Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Save the date, 1500 ESPN's seventh annual sports fantasy auction is happening. And it's happening Tuesday, December 12th. Listen all day from 9 a.m. until 6 to purchase and bid on great experiences with all the proceeds benefiting Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. It's presented in part by Able Chiropractic and TCL. The details and the packages are all coming soon to 1500ESPN.com. You know, the thing I like the most about Case is he's got big balls. You know, he's not afraid. Hey, he's, he's, not, he's not afraid. He's going to pull the trigger, and he's going to play like that. So, um, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, that's why we love Mike Golick Jr., too, for the same reason that Mike Zimmer <laughs> loves Case Keenum, just so you know, wow. Golick Jr. That's actually usually the number one reason on most people's power rankings of me, so <laughs> you guys are very perceptive. You've picked up on what hopefully the rest of the nation understands uh, by now. Let's play this again. My favorite part about this is so he drops the big balls comment and then gets into his next sentence and stops it and goes, hey, he says, hey, as if to kind of like raise his eyebrows and like, you know what I'm saying. This is, listen to this. You know, the thing I like the most about Case is he's got big balls. You know, he's not afraid. Hey, he's, he's, not, he's not afraid. He's going to pull the trigger and he's going to play like hey. that. So, hey, hey, you know what I'm saying. Hey. Making eye contact with a reporter. You see, you know, someone looked up at him so sideways, like giving him that face. You know how loaded that was. He said, hey, I'm not. I'm not going to deny you. You guys have been in the locker room. They're big, man. They're big. So, so Mike, here, here's the thing with Zim, though. There's Sunday Zim, and that guy tells you exactly – the postgame Zim tells you what, what he thinks. So, on Sunday, he brought up the fact that Case is playing with a horseshoe right now, basically saying – basically, when Case throws these jump balls, they drive him nuts, Right. And then there's Wednesday Zim, and that's the Zim who's been briefed by by Vikings PR and executives to be told, walk back that comment. So Sunday Zim tells you, these bleeping passes are driving me crazy. Wednesday Zim has been told, say say something nice about Case. So so you got to weigh all that and realize that on Sunday you get the truth. On Wednesday, Zim tries to at least paint things in a different light. Yeah, and I think part of that, too, I mean, it's certainly talking with everyone else in the building, but it's getting larger context for things, right? Like on Sunday, of course, the coach is going to be in that most raw, emotional version of himself. And what coach isn't driven sort of nuts? I mean, unless you've got Brett Favre back there throwing up these 50-50 balls that you just kind of have to live and die with, Case Keenum is not that dude. And so you're allowed to be frustrated if you're a coach when you've got a guy putting the ball in jeopardy as that one thing that you understand with the makeup of this team is really going to be the killer if there is one is the turnover factor on offense, knowing you've got a solid defense, knowing you've got a ton of weapons. I just think by Wednesday you've had time to sort of take a breath. So maybe part of that is a directive from on high to say, hey, listen, let's dial it back a little bit. But I think we're all in that understanding that it is kind of a weird waiting game in spots like this and spots, I mean, what we've seen going on in Buffalo and other places where 
there seem to be teams just waiting around for their quarterback to slip so they can move to the guy either that they want, in this case here in Minnesota, in Teddy, or anybody else in the case of Buffalo because they just don't seem to want it to be Tyrod. Yeah, uh, I want them to go back to Nathan Peterman. I think he needs an encore performance. See if he can rack up 10 interceptions in a in a 60-minute period. I think they owe it to him to take a shot at 10. I, I tell you, I mean, it'd be nice to have, let him cement his place in the bizarro world record books. But, I mean, in all seriousness, what a bot situation that was. I know it's kind of entirely separate from this. But you managed to somehow wrong two quarterbacks in the midst of trying to do right by pretty much no one but yourself and your own selfish motivations on high. That, that's poor management at best right there. That's why bad teams stay bad for a long time. I mean, speaking of coach press conferences, too, the best was head coach getting up to the podium the next day and condescendingly telling all the assembled media, listen, I went back and looked at the film, and yeah, there were some bad things, but there are some really good things that you just didn't see because you didn't watch the film. Okay. Okay. Yeah, trying to save face for the name of your young quarterback. I get, and you know what? There probably were, but those are the things that exactly no one wants to hear then. And after you've been the coach that got up there and said multiple times the week before that Tyrod was your guy Monday and Tuesday until Wednesday, that wasn't true anymore. And you said that this is about winning, and now you're going back to Tyrod for those same reasons. Like It reeks of an organization where the coach is not the one really in charge of these decisions, and everyone's starting to realize that and treat what he says as such. Exactly. Uh, what, what did the Vikings win against the Rams do to your perception of this team? Uh, I don't really think it changed a lot, to be honest. Like We know this Vikings outfit is capable of beating really good teams, right? Like that's, uh, I think that's become readily apparent over the course of the season. They've got the formula now, and it's just a matter of if Case Keenum can ward off enough of these yes, no, 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 yes plays to let them go out here and do what this team is capable of doing. Like They're capable of winning on a, on a model very similar to what the Denver Broncos did a couple of years ago with an unbelievable defense at every level. An offense that's actually shot-loaded with weapons that's re-upped actually probably has a better claim to that rushing team with a quarterback that's just not going to lose it for you than that Denver team did. I thought that Denver team always got way too much credit for being able to rush the ball when they really weren't all that capable. This Minnesota team, even without Dalvin Cook, who was the star in the early portion of the season, has shown a ton. But to get a win like that against a marquee team, for them to frustrate, I mean, seeing the way Minnesota's secondary bullied Cooper Cup, a guy who had been kind of a, uh, an unknown, uh, I think, un, uh, star we weren't ready to see shining that offense a bit with Jared Goff in year two for that quarterback. He really got pushed around. That Minnesota secondary came to play as much as anything else, especially down in the red zone. Yeah, I think the, the question we're trying to figure out here, uh, Mike Gola Jr., is how good are the Eagles and how do the Vikings compare to the Eagles without having seen them play each other? Like, you, you got the, the Vikings-Rams gauge. Uh, Vikings did play the Saints in Week One, although that seems like a different team now. Uh, but Vikings Eagles might not meet if they if they do until the playoffs here. So, how good do you think the Eagles are in in context of the rest of the league? And um, and how do you think the Vikings and Eagles stack up if they were to play right now, like in a playoff game? Oof, uh, you know what? If they were to play right now, I feel like it's a favorable matchup for the Vikings just because the strength of that Eagles offense is certainly. In the middle, in the middle, it's that tight end spot. That relationship uh, with their quarterback Carson Wentz. I think on an offense where there aren't really a lot of stars besides that, and I think that's the difference, right? Like we can clearly point to the two best guys 
on the you know, uh, Minnesota offense in Adam Thielen and and, and uh, Stephon Diggs and say, all right, those are what, that's our tandem, that's the bell cow group. In Philadelphia, they've basically gone to the New England backfield model where they're going to rotate a few guys in and try and do it by committee the entire time. They're going to live and die with their tight end in the middle, and then everyone else is a part of the system that Carson Wentz is doing really well in. And defensively, it's a decent to you know average secondary, a D-line that's as good as any in the league, and a linebacking core that's just okay. And you look top to bottom, I think Minnesota's got a better defense personnel-wise from start to finish in that group. And then offensively, it really is just a matter of if that offensive line and how it's been retooled can hold up against that kind of top-end pressure. And I think getting a test like Aaron Donald in that group in L.A. this past weekend really goes a long way in solidifying that. So I think I think on the top end, I still put the Eagles as the best team in the league and the best team in the NFC, but that's not a super wide margin. And teams like Minnesota are right there tooth and nail with them, as are L.A. despite the score of the game this past weekend, as are the New Orleans Saints. When you watch Case play, uh, Mike, do, do you do you see a, a guy who, if you, you were to play w- with him, inspires you to think, my gosh, he's been around as a backup for a long time, and he's playing great, and this is going to end well? Or do you see a guy who is playing well, uh, as, as Zim said, though, get, has some luck going for, for him and scares you to a certain degree that when um, the defenses get good against him is going to make that, that one or two crucial mistakes that uh, can certainly sidetrack your season or derail it? Uh, I think at this point you're inspired enough by what you've seen, and I think you're confident enough in yourself. Like This is still a team that I think is very aware of where its strength lies, and when you're that strength, you understand that the onus is going to be on you in those tough moments to make sure, all right, we've got to turn the ball over and maybe give Chase an extra possession, or Case, excuse me, an extra possession or two during the course of that game. We've got to be able to hold the team to some three and outs and some uncomfortable situations when there is sudden change on the field. We know that this guy can do enough, and we believe this guy can do enough to get us to and win a Super Bowl with the rest of the group we've got around him. But we also understand that there is a ceiling. I mean, there is a reason this guy has been a backup his whole career. But if he can continue to produce near and around this level, I have a feeling the rest of this team is confident enough when they look around in themselves to say, you know what, we're going to have to buoy in the hard parts. When, it gets, when the going gets tough, no one's going to look to Case Keenum and say, go out there and get the damn thing done. They're going to look at themselves and say, all right, you know, tighten, up the, tighten the screw a little bit and let's go. Uh, you seem like a man, Mike Golick Jr., who would have a top three Thanksgiving food or beverage power ranking, and we'd like to hear it from you. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. I was having this discussion yesterday. I host the college football rankings reaction show in my living room of all places, and I was with my dad and Jason Fitz, uh, who were doing that the other night. We were talking about this, and I think surprisingly near the top, I said uh, stuffing or dressing, whatever you call it. There's a cultural divide on that, but uh, that's got to be number one. I mean, that, that one done really well, and shout-out to my mom who does it as about as well as anyone I've ever met. The stuffing department, to me, is that number one power ranking. Number two, I would probably go with rolls. Like, you can't have a substitute for good rolls at your table, and obviously butter's a part of that, mm. but a good flaky roll, something rich and oh. thick and fluffy, really is going to get the job done. And then probably third place, I'm going to go green bean casserole. It seems counterintuitive going against the Golic nature, and I understand people saying, where's turkey, but... 
listen, Turkey's just sort of Turkey's just sort of there. Turkey might be the Case Keenum of this group. Wow. It's solid. You're not expecting it to win you any games. Uh-huh. It's going to be a part of your winning effort on the plate. But I'm not going to count on it to really drive things home. I think it's a dry meat. I think in most other settings, you're really going away from turkey, but it's got a special place in this holiday, and so we allow it. So the green bean casserole is kind of like Adam Thielen, where at first glance, you're like, I don't know if that's the star of the plate here. But then once you sort of like, you know, you start to poke it with your fork a little bit and you start to be around it more, it does become a star. Yep. Exactly. Become, becomes a star. By the way, if you're looking, because at the top of all this, the stuffing would be that defense. If you're looking for the glue guy, the one who's going to get it done in a lot of situations, got to give that up to my boy Kyle. Kyle is the definite gravy on your Minnesota Vikings yeah. football play. Great, great locker room guy. Makes everything a little bit better, whether it's the run of the pass game and can really be counted on in a variety of different situations. You can sprinkle him anywhere. Yes. Mashed potatoes, boys. It's all you need. Mashed potatoes. Ooh, you can take your bind, stuff. Great binding agent. You can Exactly. Yeah, but stuff, you know what? Stuffing's fine. If it's there, great. If it's not, fine. Mashed potatoes is the one thing because no matter how full you get, you, be can, careful there, you, can, you can always have more mashed potatoes. No matter how full, there's always room somehow, some way. Uh, you know what? I can't believe, too, I've neglected pumpkin pie in all this. I guess I was treating dessert as its own special category, oh. but uh, I, 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 that's another one that if I'm not careful, I may just eat an entire one. That becomes the problem around Thanksgiving is the pie consumption. I make up for the rest of the year where I'm usually a bit out on pie. Thanksgiving, very in. See, that's why li- life is great as an offensive lineman on Thanksgiving. Like, you just have, there's just more mass. You know, there's just, there's an extra oh. trip or two and an extra plate or two. So, we're envious. Uh, hey, real quick, before we before we say bye, you got, you're going to be starting, uh, well, you're still going to be doing your uh, early morning, late night slash uh, night owl show, but for the first hour, you're going to be with uh, Golik and Wingo, your dad and Trey Wingo. So what can people hear if they tune in for the first sampling of this new radio show on our station? Yeah, the first sampling, I mean, listen, it, 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 as Dad and Trey have put it, we're not necessarily going to reinvent the wheel, but I can promise, at least on my end in that first hour, to be the agent of chaos that you guys are looking for. I mean, Dad and Trey have known each other for a long time, and they come at this thing with more experience with their coworker than anything that they've ever started before. And so that's a, a different, new, and fun challenge for the two of them. My challenge is to go in and make them uncomfortable again. Love like, it. they have both enjoyed long, prosperous careers. <laughs> and they might be a little fat and happy, and it is my job to make sure that they can never come in and fall asleep at the wheel because I am going to be prodding and challenging them every step of the way. Love it. Should awesome. be awesome, man. All right. Bye, Michael. Thanks, Golik. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, guys. Have a good Thanksgiving. Mike Golik you know Jr. Pumpkin pie and cool whip. Cool whip. Cool whip. You can't have pie without cool whip. Cool whip is the key to the pumpkin pie. What was the other word that he did? Cool whip? Stewie did? Something I don't else. It was like near the end of the episode. Yeah, I don't remember. Gosh dang it. Maybe a family guy connoisseur can let P- us know. Pumpkin pie? Not that good, by the way. I'm more of a pecan. I mean, I'll, oh, eat, I love I'll eat all the pies on Thanksgiving, but pecan is I love definitely... Pecan. I love pecan pie. Yeah. Uh, we're just about 20 minutes away, maybe 15, 20 minutes away from our official... Turkey of the Year predictions. We've gathered all the feedback from listeners, social media followers. We talked to the chairman of the committee, Patrick Royce, an hour and a half ago. And so let it all sink in, soak into your brain, gentlemen, because we will be making the official predictions on the official Turkey of the Year preview show. It's Mackie and Judd. I want to direct all your attention to Luther Brookdale Toyota just briefly, because on Friday, Black Friday, 
what you should do is take a break from mall madness or staring at your your screen shopping online and take advantage of some great Black Friday specials at Luther Brookdale Toyota. The 2018 models are in. They are sleek. They have upgraded technology, upgraded exteriors. Black Friday deals on all Toyota models, and you get an extra $750 in bonus cash and 0% financing for 60 months. Great service specials as well. You can buy any three tires and get the fourth one for just a dollar. So take a break from all that clothes shopping, gadgets, whatever it may be, mall madness, and celebrate Black Friday at Luther Brookdale Toyota. They'll also have uh, fresh coffee and cookies waiting for you, as usual, in the Luther Lounge, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogan. Truly outrageous, egregious, and offensive. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the 2017 Patrick Royce Turkey of the Year pregame show. Brought to you in part by Sweet Potatoes and Marshmallows. An abomination, but some people still eat it anyway. (laughs) And by... Green bean casserole. Really? People still eat that crap too? Gobble, gobble turkey. And by Grandma's House. The smell of all the delicious food still can't cover up the stench of the house. I call that the turkey hole. And now back to your hosts, Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Yes. Still plenty of preview show left here, including our final predictions yeah. for Patrick Royce's Turkey of the Year. I'm still struggling here. I think I'm less certain now than I was when I arrived for today's show. There's a lot of juicy pick. options. And, well, and a there's lot a, of juicy and options. And there's a lot of clues that have been thrown out. There's a lot. The chairman calling in gives us more to digest than I expected that that we would have. Yeah, and real quick, let's let's get into that here for people who missed it. But six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. If you think you know who the Turkey of the Year award winner is or should be, we'll take your feedback. Um, yeah, so the obvious candidates are almost a little too obvious: PJ Fleck and Mark Coyle. PJ Fleck, just because Patrick hates him. And he's losing and got smoked by Northwestern and then got a contract extension Mm -hmm. this morning. Mm -hmm. Mark Coyle for giving the contract extension, hiring P.J. Fleck in the eyes of Patrick Mm Ricey, and also being the athletic director who oversaw the botched boycott situation, uh, the whole scandal at the end of last year, which all took place after the Turkey of the Year award was handed out. So today's news uh, that Fleck got a one-year extension through now 2022, to me, does not uh, push Fleck to get this at all. It's all about Coyle. And if you really want to think about it, it's all about Coyle and Kaler, because clearly Coyle had to go to his boss and say, hey, you know, for uh, recruiting purposes or... I feel that I need to give this guy a contract extension of one year. So so to me, this doesn't push me at all towards the fleck path whatsoever, but it definitely, I think when Patrick says that that this is a huge deal, he's talking about the fact that Mark Coyle is pleading to win this award. Pleading. I think there's two other obvious candidates that are almost a little too obvious. Donald Trump, who people have suggested. Yeah, I know. And also Rick Pitino. 
Rick Pitino would be the first national sports figure since 2007 Charlie Weiss to win the Turkey of the Year award. I would be shocked if Pitino got got it now. I will say this. Then I've been debating about if I should bring this up today or not, but I will now. Um, Hold on. Is this going to be more breaking turkey news? No. Well, it's it's actually an ethical dilemma that I've been facing for uh, the majority of this show, and I don't know... Gobble, gobble, turkey. Just gobble, 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 turkey from Jive Turkey Gobblers. All right. So what I'm curious about is I do not want to violate Saturday co-host confidence or privilege, and I feel like this sort of might be a little bit. Did he tell you who the turkey was? And nope. you've just been acting like nope. for four hours nope. you don't know? No, he did not. Did oh, you no, get no. something from Joey D? And he would never. <laughs> and I did not get nothing from Joey D. The Docker Rock. Uh, however... It was mentioned probably three weeks to a month ago, in some confidence, that the Patino name was being thought about by the committee. I mean, that's the only clue I've got. I, I, Fleck was never brought up. Wow. Coyle. I, I've told him flat out, you're not picking Fleck. So just to, just to be clear, so you've worked with Patrick since the early 90s, right? Like 89, like, yeah. It, okay, so, so for almost 30 years. Tribune, yes. Um, I've worked with him either with him every day or around him for eight years. Mm-hmm. Dave's been around him for the better part of eight, nine years. Has anyone in this room ever been privy to who the turkey is before it was published on StarTribune.com or StarTribune? Like, Absolutely not. I have not. I don't know. Never has he ever. I don't know if Such has. I don't think so. I, I don't. I have never met anyone who's been told beforehand other than my ultimate at the Star Tribune bosses, who I think knew at times. Um, but that that was so that they could actually start to de- uh, design the paper and things like that. I know of no friends and or colleagues who have been told that. So he's very stealth ever. about this. Oh, okay. yeah, and and he should be. But the Patino name, um, Rick Patino's name, not Richard, was brought up. It was brought up. It's not surprising. I just can't see it being him. Well, and you said Patrick has even threatened bodily harm to those that would reveal it. Well, yeah, Dark, uh, years ago, uh, um, Dark in the 1990s, when, when he had had the late night show on CCO, told Pat that he was going to stop by the Star Tribune because we, we had early editions at the time that were brought to the paper. And Dark claimed he was going to get one <laughs> and go on CCO on Wednesday into Thursday and read who won and Patrick basically told him that he would do bad things to Dark if that happened. <laughs> and, of course, Dark was just being dark, so it didn't happen. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. It's a community effort here on the 2017 Turkey of the Year preview show. Rob, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey, hey guys. How's it going? Good, man. I, you know, I Excellent. think Fleck is going to be too easy. Patrick's yep. going to be more creative than that. Yep. Um, plus, I think. He realizes it's more revealing about himself if he chooses Fleck because, like PJ or not, he's everything that Royce isn't in terms of attitude, outlook, and the way he lives his life. So I would love to see the year before Patrick retires, he names himself as the Turkey of the Year because he's the quintessential reason that the negativity hangs over the sports environment in this town. Happy Thanksgiving. Rob, thank you for, for calling in. So do you think there's anything – I I'm with you on this, that he – is too selfless in his columns. Like he's not, sometimes he's selfish in the stuff he writes about that he gets a vendetta, but he's never, he never makes it about him Correct. in the actual copy. So he would never do this. That's why I don't think like, so either. Yeah. Like it, it would be, I think the perception of pe- people who say this is, is right in, in the fact it would be a hoot if he did it. 
But if you think about Patrick, he would never go down that path because to him, it, it would be I, I, I then, and he wouldn't do that. So I see what people are saying and it would be funny, but Patrick would see it as, as being a self-congratulatory pat on his own back and he's not going to do that. So no, no, he would, that would be shocking to me. Now his last one could be, if he knows it, it's going to be the last one. It could be very interesting and it could be a choice that we definitely don't see coming but I just think there's too much. I mean, he was brought up in, in a world where you cover things and mm-hmm. you cover people and you don't cover yourself. Now, if it started now, he he would give the award to himself. But because of his upbringing in this business, you were taught basically never use the word I when you're right. I think this whole conversation now, three three hours and 40 minutes leading up to our predictions here on the other side of the break, I think it all just crystallized. I think I know... The turkey of the year. I've got my pick right now. Do you know? It, it's very tough, but I've got my pick. Yes. Going going back to the keys, I think there's one key that that will be true. Dave, did you have anything left before we dive into our actual predictions here on the other side? Is there anything left in your bag of thoughts or just trends? I will tell you on the other side, I, st- I cannot make up my mind. I had two in my head at the beginning of this show, choice A and choice B, about the midway point, I said, it's got to be B. And in the last 15 minutes, I said, no, it's got to be A. I I am completely split here. I think I have two very viable candidates. One's a little bit nebulous, kind of off the wall as he's gone recently. And boy, I don't know which to go with. Wow. I'm really, really struggling here. Wow. It's all come down to this. And don't forget, the last three have not been a certain person. Yes, so they've not, all been so, entities or yeah. the Grim Reaper. Yep, so we are now very much talking in the last three. We're, we're talking about a guy who's gone way off the grid for, you know, because, I mean, yeah, we, we used to say Terry Ryan, or you could say Zimmer for last year or something. Mm-hmm. It's tough for now. Should we make our predictions when we come back? Oh, yeah, it's time. All right. It's the Mackie and Judd second annual Roycey Turkey of the Year preview show. And we will make the predictions when we come back. 1500 ESPN presents Turkey Talks, a bunch of super duper stories leading up to the big column. Here's a guy who sounds a little like Patrick Royce. I experienced great pleasure writing this column back in 1996 when America was celebrating the biggest fraud in the history of the Olympics. Kari Strug. Carrie. Carrie Strug. Carrie Strug. Boo hoo. Your ankle hurts. It doesn't matter. You already won the gold medal. Stop crying, you spoiled brat. Before we get back to the Turkey of the Year preview show and our predictions, now through December 15th, my friend Chris Lindahl, whose team helped sell my condo for top dollar last winter, within three hours of it going on the market because of their great marketing, now through December 15th, Chris Lindahl is saying thank you to listeners, thank you to everybody in a big way for the holidays because someone's going to win a free listing contract with the Chris Lindahl team. So if you're thinking about kicking the tires on a listing here in the springtime, this is a great chance to enter. A family will get their house sold for free 
with the full marketing that goes with it, the same marketing that landed top dollar for my condo last winter. All you have to do to enter the giveaway is go to chrislindall.com. That's Chris with a K. Or call his bat line, 763-401-SOLD. 763-401-SOLD. Chris Lindall, the number one REMAX results team. They need it now. Mackie and Judd now continue. They want it now. On 1500. Get it on. ESPN. Welcome back to the 2017 Patrick Royce Turkey of the Year pregame show. Sponsored in part by Stuffing. Don't you dare put fruit into it. (laughs) Pecan pie. Our nuts look great in your pie. Gobble, gobble, turkey. And by gravy. Liquid fat. Mmm. I call that the turkey hole. And now, back to your hosts, Phil Mackey and Judd Zogad. That's right. It is the 2017 Turkey of the Year preview show on 1500 ESPN. Uh, We've had the chairman of the committee call in, Patrick Royce from Fort Myers, an hour and a half ago. We've had all of your feedback, listeners, social media followers across all our platforms. We have all the information we need to make our predictions in this segment. Make them official, gentlemen. But first... A trip to the analytics desk. You guys want some more trends? Mm-hmm. I would love some. All right. So uh, we have we have a team of Turkey of the Year statisticians that have gone through and combed through the 40-year history and the 34-year local history, which is the most important uh, piece of the puzzle. Because, and Judd can explain this, uh, you were alive during the first Turkey of the Year uh, musings. Oh, the yeah. first few were more national. So Woody Hayes, 1978. Pete Rozelle in 1979, uh, Bob Knight 1980. So Pat was going after the national figures, and it wouldn't really have to be uncomfortable because he wouldn't run into these people. Those are the drinking years. Exactly. Yep. So th- those are the I've got to file a column to get out on the best drinking night of the year picks. George Steinbrenner 1981, Billy Martin 1982, yep. and then he delivered his first local punch in 1983 with Paul Geel. Yes. Who, as he explained, unfortunately, Sid broke the story that Giel just had emergency open heart surgery and Patrick <laughs> prayed that he didn't die or else the whole Turkey of the Year venture probably would have stopped right there in 1983. Right. So it's very fitting that as of right now, the bookends of the local era of Turkey of the Year are gopher bookends. Paul Giel in 1983 and gopher men's athletics in 2016. And it highlights Patrick's propensity to aim for the Gophers, and some of that's just self-inflicted by the University of Minnesota. There's just no avoiding some of these things, like Tim Brewster, mm-hmm. for God's sakes, like you're a turkey. Mm-hmm. But 29%, according to our Turkey of the Year statisticians, 29% of Turkeys of the Year are University of Minnesota-related. The second most populated turkey column, the Minnesota Vikings, at 26% historically since 19. 19- uh, 83, okay. when uh, the local era began. Uh, as far as the other local teams, only four Twins turkeys, making up 12%. Only four Wild or North Stars turkeys, making up 12%. Mm-hmm. And just despite how terrible they've been, they're almost too irrelevant. Only three Wolves-related turkeys since the local era began, since they came into inception no, in the late no 1980s. Con, no Taylor. No Con. The that entire history. No Glenn Taylor, exactly. No uh, longest droughts, Minnesota Wild, nine-year drought going back to 2008. Vikings drought, six years going back to 2011. Uh-huh. And a Twins player drought of 27 years going back 
1990 and Kent Herbeck. Those are your Turkey of the Year analytics. Who wouldn't talk to me for one year after that. Uh, by the way, expected starchbean.com online time for post tonight, 11 Central Standard Time. Okay. 11 p.m. tonight, this column is expected to post. I'll be in bed. I don't want to. I don't want it ruined. I want the paper in my hands in the morning. Okay. Are you a paper guy uh, on this, or uh, I'm an online guy for this? I'm like refreshing every ten seconds once we get late at night. Uh, I have been a paper guy, but this time I might just skip right to it. But the key, the key is you can't. You have to resist resist the temptation to look. So I think paper or online, you've got to start at the beginning, right? Because the temptation is always like, I'm just going to find out. No, no, no. That's a big mistake. <laughs> Gentlemen, we have uh, three minutes left in the show here, so it's time. We each get about a minute to give our official prediction, Turkey of the Year 2017. Anyone want to volunteer to I'd to like to first? hear Dave's first because I think you've been more tortured than me for sure and possibly I, Phil. I've been torn this entire show. I've been torn for days. First of all, we all agree it's not going to be P.J. Flex. So, Reavers, you're going to owe me a week's worth of lunches. Thank you for that, you big dummy. I've been too obvious, really fighting between it's got to be NFL, it's got to be Super Bowl related, since this is the chance. Super Bowl 52 right here. It's got to be the committee. It's got to be the volunteers who have shown up to give free labor to the NFL. It's got to be something like that. But there's just something about the nebulous idea of taking a shot at the Patinos, the younger Patinos specifically, at specifically P.J. Fleck, perhaps you, Phil, Youthful exuberance, something of that nature, Derek could Falvey. be the turkey of the year. Correct, Falvey oh, Levine. Oh, I love it. Youth itself could be the turkey of the year. So he'll go death and youth all in the same three-year stretch. I think it's very possible. Okay, Judd, I feel like you have probably a better historical read on what this might be. Let me go second so we can save the grand finale, Judd Zolgad prediction for last. All okay, right. okay, I'll get out of your way here. All right. So I'm with Dave, and that PJ Fleck and Mark Coyle are just a little too obvious. You already had go for men's athletics last year. I'm leaning toward an entity he hasn't criticized during their current era. He hasn't taken any Turkey of the Year full-on haymakers at the Minnesota Wild. Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi have signed those contracts a half decade ago now. Mm -hmm. They haven't made it past the second round of the playoffs. It looks like Zach Parisi might never come back as the same player. And yet, people still fill the arena. I think he's going to take some sort of a Turkey of the Year shot at the end as the Turkey of the of the Year award winner at the Minnesota Wild or the Wild fans or maybe even just Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter specifically. The last time he teed off on the Wild in this spot was Marion Gabryk, 2008. He hasn't touched this era in the Turkey of the Year award winning category. Judd? I think Wild fans are at the table and, uh, and uh, the <laughs> Caller who suggested 50 years of Gopher football, 25 years after that era of uh, the Gophers made it, was fantastic. I love that suggestion. It's pretty good. But don't forget the keys, the five keys, right? Key number one, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, something that, that Royce lives by and something that basically defines this column. The temptation, even though slightly obvious, to go with the Super Bowl planning committee that has given away basically this entire state to get an event here in February, and the ability to mock them, poke fun at them, and also hope for a week full of 30 degree below zero temperatures is going to be too much. 
It's going to be the Super Bowl, people. It's going to be the committee. It's going to be the fact. It gets at everything he hates. He doesn't like the Vikings. He doesn't like the Wilfs. He hates the league. And the people that gave away the keys to this state to get one football game here, I think it's going to be too much. The pressure's going to build. They're going to win. Wow. I think you might be right. You may very well be right, and that's why I was really, really torn. (laughs) Nothing more comfortable than the National Football League, and he's going to try and afflict them. And now we wait until later tonight. Uh, Programming note, Ventline is going to be live tomorrow after the Vikings game, and then you and I are live on Friday, 9 to 1. We're not going to be taking off days on Black Friday. We're going to we're going to recap Vikings. So, uh, yeah, Dave's going to be sleeping all weekend. So there it is. That's been your Happy 2017 Turkey of the Year preview show.